0: various announcements that are going up on the screen. Let me remind you again that we will be having a memorial service at 5 p.m. tomorrow afternoon for Brother Eric Renner, and I will encourage you if you can to come out and support uh, Eric's family. I want to take a moment here to uh, kind of talk transparency just a moment to lead into my text today and the way it means and the subject matter that will be ministry. Before Brother Holyfield, I'd ministered Um, a subject you know meant a lot to me and uh, I talked about how that when I was on vacation I'd gone up on that little mountain behind where we were staying and just prayed and and I had a subject matter that I intended to kind of go into a a series with but I was really trying to wrestle that out and um you know I told you that I was going to alter it and then I've chosen even further to uh you know the wisdom of God is peaceable and easily received and you have to discern by that um Pastors certainly uh, can, can miss direction. You know, I, I, was tech, I was visiting with Joe and Jace a little bit, and I'm always reminded of Paul on one of his missionary journeys. I think the second missionary journey, it's recorded in Acts chapter 16, when during that time period it says that Paul attempted to go here, but the Spirit suffered him not. Or this King James said he essayed to go here, and the Spirit forbade him. You know, and that's the way sometimes we have intentions to do something, just like you do in life, but us pastors have intentions, but God doesn't seem to favor that, and so we have to draw back. And so I'd already begin to draw back because I want to make sure, you know, I only want something that he breathes upon, right? It doesn't matter how much I want to talk about something. I want to speak what I believe God puts in my heart to speak. So I, would al- I was already moving a little bit away from that. I plan to put that in a package setting where I might can have some discussion related to it, but it won't take pulpit time. And so this past Tuesday, I was up in my private devotions in the morning reading, and uh, so I was reading in the book of Acts, and as I was reading in the book of Acts, you'd think I could pick up that paperclip and keep it without something falling as good a hand as I had in basketball. But nonetheless, that's for another story. I'm just trying to see if y'all are listening out there. So I was in the book of Acts, and I was just reading devotionally, but my my thoughts, this is the way the preacher's minds work. All of a sudden, I was more than reading. I was hearing. Just like I want you to do more than listen. Amen. I want you to hear. And and I was along the 10th verse, and my thoughts were so sharp. And I was hearing that the God was, God was quickening. I believe that when I – this is the language that I use. I believe the Spirit of God was quickening truth, nuggets, dropping little things in my heart. And about the 10th verse of the chapter that I was on, the 27th chapter, which we're going to be on here in a moment – this the, uh, In my heart, and I often say it this way: you know God speaks to you through your conscience, and sometimes it sounds like your voice, but it's, many times it 's his voice, and the voice of my spirit in that moment said don 't you think you need to get a pen and start writing these things down and I knew that I had moved beyond just devotional reading to that God was laying something on my heart and that 's what i 'm going to bring to you today because i 'm going to and, and, and in doing so it 's going to be in a, a to a degree in a style of preaching that's called expository preaching, where I'm going to take a text of Scripture and expound upon it. I'm going to give it some commentary along the way. But if I'm being honest, also in the style of preaching, it's a little bit topical because the topic is kind of being predetermined, and a little bit of it is dealing with storms, storms of life. Um, all of us have had storms of life at some point in time. We all watched on the news a massive storm come up from, right, uh, where's that coming out of the Gulf to a degree, and uh, go into Florida, Ian, and um, the destructive path, and and yet, so with that, though, the, scripture, the scriptures, though, oftentimes use as natural examples to teach spiritual principles, and I remember a study that I did several years ago, or not several years, several months ago, and I wish I had written down the historian that recorded because I was I was going back and I was trying to read a little bit about early church history, and it, because I was like, man, are what is what our services like today anything akin to what their services were two thousand years ago? Let I me mean, know that could be important, right? I hope that we're not doing something that is so far different than the way that the early church worshiped. And I found that around the second century or so, that as the canon of scripture had been uh, formed and they were having more epistles that they had accumulated, and they were being, uh, you know, copied, and more, uh, there, were, there was additional passages that they were using the, the narrative of the Gospels, not to just teach about Jesus, they used the narrative of the Gospels to teach the historical context of Jesus and his death on the cross, but often they would use the stories related to Jesus that because, th- that God could breathe on them, and you could find life in them for everyday living. Do y'all believe that today? That's the power of the Word of God, that we have what is a 3,500-year-old document contained here within these pages, all the way from uh, 1,500 years before the Gospels and the Epistles were the the, the first writings of Moses from Genesis. We've been studying that in Sunday school. So in essence, we have uh, at least a 3,500-year-old document. But in this 3,500-year-old document, God inspired it. It's God-breathed. And God will hover over it like he did in the Genesis, and he will make it alive to us today. And it will become a navigation tool for you to help you when you're in the storms of life. Because storms do come, right? They do. And none of us are excluded from the storms of life. And so we're going to be today in a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 27. And I told them I've got the entire chapter at my uh, fingertips which is 44 verses but I want you to be uh, calm today in that sense because I only have 30 points that I'm making out of that today yes and you think that I am exaggerating no I'm not now whether or not I get to the end or not I don't know I did last night when I preached to myself in about 30 minutes but we'll see if I'm able to make this so with this let me get, put you in the historical context I think that's a very important here and uh, to to establish this, because this was just born out of my devotional reading. But again, God was speaking to my heart, and I said, "You know, I'm gonna just i to just know I'm gonna just know that God has hovered over this word." And I'm gonna talk to. You, I'm gonna put the title up here today. So here's the title first, and we're not gonna stand today because we would be here for the whole service. Because I'm gonna just kind of read it and let it unfold. This is taken from the forty fourth verse. At the end of this narrative is escaped all safe to land. How many know sometimes that's how surviving a storm is? It just You just escape. You may have suffered the loss of some things, but as long as you're preserved, your family's preserved, come on, and your faith may have been tried, but it's actually now stronger than it was when you went into the storm. Right? And so that's our goal today. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to just breathe on us today. I'm going to pray that God anoints me to speak, but I'm going to pray that he anoints you to hear. Because I, I want you to do more than listen. I want you to do more than just take notes. I want this to be, I want this to be truth that God has given you to equip you. Because I just presume that if, if God laid this on the pastor's heart, there's probably some folks under the sound of my voice that there's a storm in your life right now. A trying time, a difficult time in your life. And you need to know that you can make it by the help of God that God is faithful. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to bless the Word of God. Father, I thank you. Uh, We felt your presence in worship. We could feel that you were, God, you were literally hovering over our sanctuary. And now, God, uh, I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of the living God would bring revelation to us today, and you would quicken the Word in our hearts and minds. And as easily as it flowed on Tuesday, when you began to reveal to me certain principles of truth, not just principles of life, but principles of truth that produce life, God, I believe that you were giving them to me to share through me to this church family. So Lord, today, let preaching be as easy as uh, my study was and my reading was, and I pray that the listening, God, that people will hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name. So in Acts chapter number 27, it's a familiar passage to those of us that have read the Bible very much because it's towards the end of the recorded history of Paul's missionary endeavors. Now Paul was taken in prison earlier when he was uh, captured in Jerusalem. When I say captured, he was taken um, in essence perhaps even illegally and he was falsely accused by the Jews but he ended up appealing to Caesar when he stood before King Agrippa in the 26th chapter. He appeals to Caesar uh, because uh, they were not, they're they not making a decision on whether to release him. He is being held in Caesarea Maritime. We visited there on our trip to Israel long years ago. And they, and, and a decision was made that he would be placed on a ship and he would be taken across the Mediterranean where he would stand trial before Caesar because Paul is a Jew, but he is a Roman citizen, and he used his Roman citizenship to help save his life more than one occasion, right, and also to help further the gospel, the same that we should as an American citizen, correct? And so most of you that have read the book of Acts, you know of what took place that Paul's ship gets caught in a storm, and they end up shipwrecked uh, on the island of Melita, and that's how the book or the, the chapter closes. And chapter 28 picks up the narrative of his ministry on the island of Melita. But it's what happens in those 44 verses that, that the theme of which and the work of the Holy Spirit that was very, uh, made, very real to me as I was meditating and, and reading. In the year of 1848, uh, James Smith of Great Britain published a book called The Voyage of St. Paul. Because he wanted to go and see if Luke, who is writing the book of Acts, is giving us accurate, what would be like nautical information related to sailing, geographical information relating to uh, the movements that they took. And so he spent, he himself was an experienced yachtsman. And so he already had his own personal experience. And he went through the process of first studying the ancient sailing practices of that particular era. And then he went farther and he interviewed modern sailors who were familiar with the Mediterranean to see if the, what, what Luke is recording here seems, is it historical, is it, is it historically accurate? If, could it be replicated? Would it happen again if the scenario played out? And then he himself eventually traveled all the way to the island of Melita there where Paul was shipwrecked. And he published his findings in this book, and he confirmed the accuracy of Luke's writing. And so in doing so, as we say this, we're going to even see some of the nautical words wording that that Luke is using to teach us and to show us some things. But hidden in it, I'm telling you, church family, there are some spiritual truths that we're going to trust God's going to speak to our heart here today. And everybody said, Amen. So now remember, the ultimate objective is... And my heart today is to help you by the Word of God, by the breath of God that's upon His Word, that you will have the ability to trust God in the midst of a storm. Because this could have been tragic. The narrative could have been entirely different if somebody hadn't believed God. Come on, church family. And you and I want to absorb, we want to have a, a, an ear to hear and say, God help me in this. So we're going to pick it up here in the first verse. Now remember, Agrippa and Festus have agreed that they're going to send the apostle by means of a ship unto Italy for him to stand trial before Roman Caesar Nero or Augustus. Augustus. But by the time he gets there, it's, Nero, it's possibly later, Nero, so I'm probably off on that. Verse 1 says, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one Julius, a centurion of Augustus bands. So I want to take a moment and talk about this just real, real quickly. When you're thinking about a storm for just a moment... I want you to know that as you see this, there are certain people groups that are going to be revealed to us. We're going to have Paul the apostle. We're going to have his traveling companions, those that are traveling with him to aid him. He's in bonds, but he's still in the ministry. We're going to see Julius, who is the Roman centurion here who is mentioned by name. Who is given the responsibility to make sure Paul arrives safely to stand before Caesar in italy, but we 're going to learn of the shipmaster we 're going to see that there are seamen aboard the ship, but there are also additional Roman so- soldiers and with this, that is also a reminder to each one of us about sometimes when we think about storms sometimes we 're the one responsible for putting ourselves or our family in an environment when a storm can come in and produce a damage in our life and sometimes you're just the innocent victim you're just the innocent victim you're just living life but because you're in relationship with someone and their poor decisions sometimes it's our poor decisions that lead us that way and sometimes there's nothing that you could have done to prevent it right but what you wanted to be able to do is you want to be able to have the faith to endure it right so we see this so it was determined they would sell into italy and and with this though you, uh, to think about it just briefly they chose to sell. By, they, they could have gone by foot, but it was a 2,500-mile journey by foot. So they chose to sail because it was about 1,300 miles to 1,500, depending upon the route they would take across the Mediterranean. And typically, they could make that journey somewhere in a 24 to 30 days. Verse number 2, they entered into a ship of Dramatatiamiteum. Right there. We launched meaning to sail. But notice this. Their intent was they, they intended to sail by the coast of Asia. And these are some folks that are with them. Aristocus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica being with us. We're going to go to a map here in just a moment. And the next day we touched at Sidon. And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. So let's go to the map now, Lori, if we can. Because I want you to see this. So this journey begins. There's some depth in this. And where there's a depth in this map here in a moment. His journey begins in Caesarea Maritime, which is a part of modern-day Israel. And they immediately take to sea, but they don't go very far before they land at Sidon. And there's where he's allowed to leave the ship and he's allowed, the, uh, the, the, there's a Christian group at Sidon, and they, they come and they spend a little bit of time together, and then they they go and they head back out to the, to the sea. But notice what it says. Their intent is to go along the southern coast of Asia and to make their way over all the way to Italy through that route. That's their intent. Now, we can journey at jump ahead. We know that they end up all the way over here at Melita in the King James Malta on this map here. And and they get off course. We're going to see that. They eventually get to Rome, but it's not without much... Uh, It was very hazardous to get there. So, the map's important. We're going to come to it. And so, but now notice this real quickly. So, everything seems to be right at this particular moment. It seems like they made a decision. Uh, You know, they seem to have a little bit of favor. Nothing is really pressing. Julius is courteously entreating Paul, he's given him liberty. He goes to his friends to refresh himself. So, he comes back on board the ship. And then they launch from there and they sail under Cyprus because the winds are contrary. So real quickly point number 1 dropped in my spirit. That's an initial warning. That's an initial warning as you're making decisions about life sometimes. It's that when sometimes you get a little bit of pushback, a little bit God can use a little bit of pushback to begin to warn you that maybe this isn't the right thing. Maybe this is not the the right thing. Uh, That that maybe you need to really reconsider and really look closely. And and yet that's a challenging thing because sometimes when you get that little bit of pushback, sometimes we know as believers we got to push through at times. And yet, but there are sometimes you need to heed that pushback because God might be wanting to redirect you or you to make a different decision. So don't forget that. So but then they chose to just kind of put the winds are just slightly contrary. It's not it's not uh, overbearing, but it's just, it's, it's kind of, they've got to push through. So then they're sailing over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, and they come to Myra, a city of Lycia. Verse number five. They're just kind of pressing forward a little bit. They're a little off of their original course, but nonetheless, they're just kind of making their way. Everything seems to be okay. In this sixth verse, we notice a change of ship. So the centurion finds a ship of Alexandria. We go back to the map, if we can, just very quickly. Lori's going to work really hard in the booth today. So Alexandria is the famous Alexandria of Egypt. And the ship originates out of there. And it's a grain ship. And it's crossed the Mediterranean. And it's docked at at Myra there of Elishia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those accurately. But it typically brings grain all the way to Italy. And so Julius changes ships, perhaps from a smaller vessel to a larger, more seaworthy vessel, one that has the ability to cross the open Mediterranean. Are y'all with me out there in radio land? All right, so we're going somewhere. We're going all the way to Melita, correct? Today. Verse number seven. And when we had uh, sailed slowly many days, read that with me, and scarce were come over Snidus, the wind not suffering us. The second warming. How many know God is gracious at times? Oh, man, I'll tell you the times I have pastored people that in the process of life, if they would have only heeded the warnings God was sending, they could have avoided a lot of trauma in their life. Are you out there today? You've got to heed those warnings. Because the winds, notice this, the wind has gone from contrary to preventing them. That's why you've got to discern things that are around you. You've got to learn to listen because God can speak through them. Come on, somebody. And so, but they continue, but their mind is determined. They're going to press through. The wind's not suffering. So we're sailing under Crete over against Salmoney. And so, with that, back to the back to the, the map for just a moment, real quickly. It says, I had to learn this. Under their, their, their intent was to sail under Crete. So these wordings are often backwards at times. Sometimes when they're over, they're trying to prevent that southwestern wind. They go on the other side of the island. So you have to just kind of be aware of it as you're reading this. But that's their intention. They're going to go under Crete over against Salmony. But however, let's verse number 8, hardly passing it, we can leave that map in just a moment. They came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, which is now where unto into the city of La Sia. Are y'all out there today? So just a moment. So, so let's just pick this up. So we're, they're on the journey. They're on the ship. Things are moving, and, and yet they're getting a little bit of pushback, and then the wind got kind of contrary, and that second warning should have been enough to say, man, something just isn't right. We need to listen to the things around us, but they, they they failed to do so. They pressed on, and they arrived at the Fair Havens. Now, the Fair Havens was a place where they could dock the ship and they could kind of regather and at that moment they had time they had time to make some decisions to put the trip on hold but here's the third thing that God dropped in my heart you can't stay too long at the fair havens because the fair havens was not King James English commodious to winter in but the problem was they stayed too, ha- too long in the peaceful environment without making a decision whether to, they could winter and avoid being on the Mediterranean during the winter. Because, listen, listen we're, we're going to get right into this in just a moment of time. They had regathered, refreshed, but at that moment they could have easily rerouted. But again, they, they thought about it, but they didn't take the right route and in doing so, they put themselves at great risk. I'm going to pick that up in just a moment. So remember, the third little nugget, get that in your spirit. You can't stay too long at Fair Haven. So let's read the ninth verse for just a moment. Now, when time was spent, much time was spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. Let me explain that to you for a moment. The fast that they're talking about is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in Israel. And Paul's goal, Paul was, they were judging things by the time frame. So the, the fast being passed is they're past the date of October the 24th. Here's what we learned. Here's what that, that, that we've learned in this time period. That after September the 14th on the Mediterranean, the sailing was very dangerous. And it came almost to an, uh, an entire halt by November the 11th. Nobody would cross the open water of the, uh, the Mediterranean because it was too dangerous. They're right around the late portion of October. They need about 25 days to cross the water to get to, over to Italy. And so real, they stayed too long at the Fair Havens and they put the, the journey at risk. And so Paul then, at this moment, real quickly, we're going to pick this up, number 10. You've got to read that with me in that 10th verse, number 4, for just a moment. This is perhaps one of the most important ones. Paul is now admonishing them. And the 10th verse, see what he said. He said to them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. So let me tell you real quickly what that was. That was godly wisdom. So you want to survive a storm, you've got to learn to listen to godly counsel. i tell you one thing I know about my God. God is faithful. If you seek counsel, he'll give it. If you'll seek his face, and if you'll listen, and you'll put yourself in a position where others can speak into your life. And I know that we had a lot of other uh, other people that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul had a prophetic word God gave to him. And he spoke a word to the people. He wasn't a sailor, but a word of wisdom was given to him. And he said, listen, he said, I'm afraid that if we were to launch out, there's going to be much damage, not only of the ship, but we're going to put our lives at risk. But this takes me immediately to number five. I want to put that in front of the verse, if we will, Lori, real quickly. Great error is the rejection of godly counsel. Are you all out there today? I've seen that so many times in my own life, and when I have counseled people, and I've told you, I've heard me say that many times, we're going to go to Pastor Brown, we're going to go to other leaders, and we're going to ask them, and we pray, and we seek, and we ask God, and God gives a word of wisdom, and God speaks through somebody, and God says, I'm going to cast a light for you to follow, and I cannot tell you the times I've watched people get up out of my office, walk out, and do exactly opposite of everything that we agreed that they should do. And so there is a tendency inside of us to reject godly counsel. And that's one of the greatest mistakes that you can make in your life. Because you will find yourself in a storm when you reject godly counsel. The centurion, look at that 11th verse with me for a moment. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Verse 12, and because the haven was not commodious to winter in... The more part advised to depart thence also, if they if by any means they might attain to Phinis and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete and Lyah towards the southwest and the northwest. Some say that's Phoenix. We're going to put it on the map here in just a moment. But also there's a thought there is that the majority is not always the voice of God. Come on, somebody. The majority said, no, we need to do this. Paul had a word from God. But what happened is the centurion is making the decision because he's hired the the ship. But he believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things that were spoken by Paul. And the Spirit of God quickened in my heart. The centurion heeded the advice of the master of the ship rather than the voice of the master. I don't want the voice of the shipman. I want the voice of the master. Come on, somebody. I want God to speak to me. So majority doesn't always know. We need a word from God. Let's go a little bit farther. 13th verse. And when the south wind blew. Catch that. Put number six on there if you would. This is very important. Great deception. Greater deception is early success. So they've rejected godly counsel. We're going to go ahead and go. We know Paul's a man of God. We've heard about miracles in his life. He's given us a word that the ship's going to be at risk and even our own lives. But we, we're going to press on. But I'm telling you, that the, here's the, the the great deception is early success. When you make decisions apart from godly counsel, sometimes you have early success. And in doing so, you justify the course of action that you took. The Bible plainly says the south wind blew. And we suppose that we have ab- obtained our purpose, go back to the map real quickly. So here they are at the Fair Havens. Their intention is to go somewhere to see where it says Phoenix. Do y'all see that today? I'm looking over here. Let's go for those that are on this side. Do y'all see that real quickly? They've made a decision that maybe they shouldn't launch out into the Mediterranean. And that we're going to, maybe we will just winter over in Phoenix. But Paul said we might ought to just stay right where we're at, at the Fair Havens, or at the very least, go back to where we came from. But they rejected his counsel. Now, here's what caught my attention in my study. Look where they end up at, all the way to Malta. That took about two weeks when they were caught in the storm, which I'm going to allude to. Their intention was to leave the Fair Havens and go to Phoenix. Phoenix. 30 miles. Let me tell you, life can change, and it can change suddenly. Look at the next verse and see if I'm I'm right about this. Look at the 14th verse real quickly. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called the Ural Point number seven, not long afterward. You're moving out, you're doing your thing, you're praying, and and yet you're rejecting godly counsel. And then you think, okay, hey, I've chosen this route and I've got some success. Everything seems to be all right. I'm going to tell you, but the master of the wind, you start fighting against God. Come on, somebody. God will push back to show you he's the sovereign Lord. And so with this, in this context here, this wind, Euro simply means east, and Clyden means waves, and it means an east wind begins to push them out. Their intent was to go slightly 30 miles out and then begin to turn north, But they got caught because this east wind came in. It was a tempestuous wind, and it began to push them. And look what happened in the 15th verse. The 15th verse says the ship then is caught in the wind, and they couldn't bear up into the wind, and they had to let her drive. And I'll tell you, this is where things really begin to change and to shift, and we begin to notice it because you can suddenly go from making decisions on your own. It's your intention to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. But suddenly you look up, you're caught, and you can't get out, point number eight. You're caught and you can't get up now because you, you had warnings. God sent you warnings. You rejected it. God sent you a prophetic word. You rejected it. You got counsel, but it wasn't godly counsel. It was the counsel of this world. You determined that you were going to go out and do it on your own. But God said, I'm, I'm the one that's going to intervene here. And suddenly a storm blows up and catches them and blows them way off course. You find yourself in a situation now that you can't control previously it fought against you but you could press through it but now you can't press through it it now drives you And when you say pastor what are you talking about i'm talking about decisions that we make in life that produce consequences that are not always pleasant and we find ourselves dealing with the consequences part of sailing is manipulating the wind for your purpose but when the word says there they could not bear up that meant that they couldn't manipulate the wind any longer and the wind had a hold of them and the wind was pushing them where they did not want to go they were caught and could not get out. The 16th verse said there was a small respite. They were able to go under Clauda for just a moment, an island that's just off of the southwest coast of Crete. And uh, there they, they got, they, then they began to go to work right away. Much work. But verse number 17 tells us that when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirded the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the, quick, the quicksands, they were suddenly driven. And I put it this way, number nine, this is when everything begins to change helps and undergirding, they are now reaching a place where they're almost desperate. They know of how dangerous of a situation that they're in because now they cannot determine their own direction, that the wind and the waves are determining their direction. They attempt to circle the island of Crete has failed, and now if they could only go north, they find themselves being driven westward. And let me tell you, church family, life can change just like that. Just like that, life can change. You can walk out of this church, and before tonight, life can change. I was on a. It was a Wednesday night service like we have every Wednesday here for me and my family when we were pastoring up in Shirley. I'd sent my family home. We were having a board meeting. You've heard me tell this. I'm not telling the details of it. I'm just simply saying I get a phone call, frantic phone call from a nine-year-old little girl who's crying on the other end, Dad, our house is on fire. In a moment's time, on a peaceful Wednesday night, pastoring a church in a small town in, in north central Arkansas, everything changed just like that. Everything can change, and you can be in placid, calm waters one minute until that eastward wind blows, and suddenly you're out in the middle of the Mediterranean, and no sail that you lift and no mast that you raise can solve your situation, and you're being driven by the thing that you previously attempted to manipulate for your purposes. But now you can't control what's controlling you. Are y'all out there today? I feel Jesus in here. I knew when I was studying on Tuesday, God was dropping a word in my heart. And look at the 18th verse, because this is what's happened. And being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. Let me tell you, when you really get caught in some storms, I'm telling you, your life can turn upside down. Point number 10 is, is this. The tempest will toss you. Life will toss you, beat you up, and toss you out. And it can be a difficult season. And, and I'm telling you, church family, you, you can go through the trying and difficult seasons. And it might you might be like Julius. You made the decision to launch out. You might be like Paul. I warned you not to. You might be like the companions. You're just along for the ride. You might be like the seamen. You're just doing your job. You might be like the sailor or the, the, the soldiers. that I'm just trying to keep uh, and fulfill my obligation to Rome. It doesn't matter. When you're in the middle of the Mediterranean, it doesn't matter where you came from. The storm doesn't care the storm doesn't care it's going to destroy you if, if, if it's allowed to and so we've got to understand of how dangerous life can be especially when we fail to heed the counsel of God verse 19 and then they begin to cast things out the tackling is tossed over desperate times produce desperate reactions how many of you know when you're in the middle of the storm you suddenly realize I can live without some of the things that I thought I always had to have when things start to shift inside of you I was telling somebody recently If you've ever gone uh, along Interstate 80 uh, uh, in the United States, for me, that's going through the southern part of Nebraska, and uh, Shane and I have have rode that road many times. If you get around a uh, a, a town of Kearney, Nebraska, you'll come underneath. You'll think from afar that it's just, you know, uh, you'll think that it's just some type of um, bridge over the overpass or over the interstate. But the closer you get to it, you realize that it's a large museum, and, and that they built over, and they put it over the overpass, and, you, and it's five stories tall. So my son Austin and I went to it one year when we were up there turkey hunting, and it's a museum dedicated to the Oregon Trail, and the Oregon Trail, as people were leaving the east, they were going out to Oregon, some for the gold rush, some for new land, But what they've got encased in glass along the way, they've got books, they've got clothing, they've got people's heirlooms, they've got people's jewelry, artifacts, things that when they launched out, they were going to bring with them to this new season of life. But along the way, the challenges of going from the east to the west, they realized that they didn't need those things. And I'm telling you, that's part of surviving a storm. Part of surviving the storm is to identify what you really need and what you need to get rid of. Come on, somebody. And we see that in the Word of God. This thing begins, uh, I put it this way in that 19th verse, now they're even necessary things. The tackling is being tossed. Desperate times produce de- desperate responses. Verse number 20. And This is the one that really sets heart on my heart. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Neither, so that means they, they went into, they were caught, this storm blew them. It's very possible that it blew them into, it blew them into a small hurricane, possibly. And they're spinning out there for many days. They can't see the sun during the day nor the stars at night. And they arrived at the place that all hope that they should be saved was taken away number 11 is despair some people find themselves in a place of despair we live in a generation of suicide they make a choice because they're caught in a moment of despair they're in a season of the storm they're in darkness they have a loss of appetite they've slipped into depression When people are in despair, you know what they do? They begin to question God. Even believers begin to question God. When the loved one, your husband or wife of 30 years, walks out on you, you question God. When that spouse or that loved one passes away unexpectedly, you begin to question God. When you suffer, are you all out there today, church family? I'm speaking to you from my heart today. You're in a storm when a job Your job security that you had for many years suddenly turns upside down overnight. And all hope seems to be lost. You're in despair. But I'm telling you what, but God's got a good word for you. All's not lost when God's on the scene. And I want us to see this next verse because I think it's very critical. And so in that moment, in that context, after many days when all hope that they should be saved was taken away, in the 21st verse, it says, after long absence, there's fasting, nobody's eating, perhaps because of despair, and Paul then stands in the midst of them and notice what he said. He said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and have not loosed some Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. So I want to put this point on here because I think it's very important, and that is sometimes reproof is needed. So we were here the other night, and I'm telling you, the evangelist uh, did a fantastic job as he ministered the Word. The young evangelist, Jordan Bland, and and, and I'm not trying to say anything against the doctrine. I'm going to take it a little bit deeper real quickly, because he made an analogy that I thought was fantastic, but I want to add just a little greater depth of the truth. He made an analogy about that when you make wrong decisions sometimes, and you're driving, and you've got GPS on, and you find yourself on another highway or another street that you're not supposed to be on, the GPS doesn't condemn you, it just reroutes you. So that was good, I believe that. But here, let me go a little bit farther. But our God will do more than just reroute you. He'll give you reproof. God will speak to you because God wants you to know that you should have heard his voice. Because if all God does is reroute you and you don't feel the sting of reproof in his voice, you will continue making those decisions over and over again, thinking that God's just going to continually reroute you always back to a safe place. I'm telling you, reproof is necessary because you won't receive instruction without correction right? And the reproof is when God said through the apostle, do you not remember, guys, about two weeks ago when we were in the fair havens and the south wind was blowing and you were counseling together with the shipmen, and it was worldly wisdom and you looked to the maritime leaders, the sailors, and you asked their opinion, but you rejected my opinion. I want you to know that my opinion carried the voice of God and you need to hear what I have to say because I'm speaking for God. I thank God for the reproof that God gives us because then when I receive that reproof, then I start wanting to line my life up to His revealed will for my life. I tell you, as a father and a parent, I didn't have any problem reproving my children. I didn't just always repro- I didn't always reroute them without correction. As a matter of fact, if you won't heed correction, you're not even considered one of God's children. Because God corrects through reproof. Those that he loves. Verse number 22, how many know there's still hope? There's still hope. Look what Paul said. He said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. Be of good cheer because there's still hope. I want you to know today that the word of God is if you're in a storm, there's still hope. Don't give up. If you're caught in a moment where life is very difficult and you're asking hard questions and you're wondering, does God really care? I came along to tell you today, God cares. And with God, there's still hope. It may be that you have not seen the light of the sun or even of the stars at night. And you're wondering, does God even know where I am? Does God even care about my life? I came along to tell you today that with God, all things are possible. And yes, God still cares. With God, there is still hope. But the word that was spoken here, the 22nd verse, said that the ship, I'm going to move a little bit faster, the ship is going to be lost. And so with this, that's the prideful thing that we trusted in. The prideful thing that we felt like was going to be able to endure the storm, God said, I'm going to take it out of the way, so you won't put your trust in that, you'll put your trust in me, glory to God. The 23rd verse then, as we read it there, the apostle says that there stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve. Glory to God. Thank God. Number 14, God knows where you are. Don't think for a moment God doesn't know where you are. God knows where. If he found Paul in the midst of a ship in the Mediterranean Sea without the sun or the moon or the stars at night, God knows where you're at today. Come on, I'm preaching better than you are shouting here today. God knows where you're at. God find you, if He found the Apostle Paul and He sent an angel to Paul to give him a word, God said, "I'm going to make a way of escape if you'll but put your faith and trust in me, and I want you to know that's the same for you. Number 15 through the 24th verse is this: God has a plan. God has a plan. How many of you know it's time for you to start listening to God's plan rather than your own plan? Right? His purposes will be accomplished despite our poor choices. That's the 25th verse or the 24th verse. God has a plan. All were given to the Apostle Paul's hand. His favor had covered others. And I love this. I want you to go to that 25th verse real quickly if we can first. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, he said. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. Let me tell you this real quickly. If you're in the middle of a storm today, you've got to do more than pray. Number 16, you've got to do more than pray. Don't just pray, but believe. Man, I'm going to bear down on that one for just a moment. I felt the Spirit of God just uh, quicken inside of me to challenge you. See, we live in a uh, generation where the only prayer that we know is desperation prayer. Desperation prayer does not move the heart of God. The heart of God is moved and the hand of God is moved when someone does more than just pray, but when they believe. Paul didn't just say, I prayed all night and I don't have an answer. Paul said, I prayed and God sent an angel and the angel spoke a word to me and it's against everything that we think. It looks like we're going to die, but I'm going to believe the prophetic word that God gave me. I'm going to believe the word of God. So I came along to tell you today, if you're going to survive the storm, the tempestuous wind that's blown you off course and you're circling in the Mediterranean and you've not seen the light of the sun or you've not seen the light of the moon, just praying and crying out to God is not enough. Somewhere on the inside of you is the Measure of faith, and the measure of faith, it's got to say, God, I believe God. That many are the afflictions of the righteous, but Your Word says, out of them all, You're going to deliver us. Glory to God. So don't just pray, believe, because God said, twenty-six verse, that You're going to be cast on a certain island, not Your route, but His route, and all are going to see His power and goodness. In the 27th verse, we begin to things, see things change. They begin to draw near. After Think about this. About 600 miles, nautical miles have taken place from when they were cast off of the island of Crete. They begin to draw closer to an island. Things are beginning to change. They begin to draw near to something. The 28th verse, the open sea begins to give way to the shoreline, which again puts this word in my heart. The Lord dropped in my heart to tell you sometimes deliverance is gradual. Sometimes you get a little bit of a respite and all of a sudden things begin to change. You start beginning to trust God. You've been caught in this season of life for a long time. And you say, God, if God can just instantly deliver me from it. And he could. I thought about that in my meditations. I said, God, if you could have sent, if you sent an angel to speak and whisper into the ear of the apostle Paul, you could have sent an angel to calm the storm. But he didn't. And so there's a part that we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. God, the God, remember Jesus, he calmed the storm on the Galilean Sea. And the sailors that were in the boat with him, his disciples, they marveled and said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And that same voice could have calmed the sea, but the same voice chose not to. And God chose gradual deliverance rather than instantaneous deliverance. And that's where we have to say, God, whatever you want to do, let's just let me start getting nearer to land. Hallelujah. Have you ever been in the middle of a storm when, when things are just going on and said, God, if I, can just, if I can just get there, I won't ever put myself in this situation again. We make a lot of promises that we don't often keep. With well, the 29th verse, I'm just going to go through some of the points here for as I expedite this, hasten us towards the shoreline. I may use that, uh, that verbiage in my, fu- my, my sermons in the future. Because for many of you, it is enduring a storm hearing me preach. You're like, Pastor Brown, just get me closer to the shoreline. I love this. I just, it's 29th verse. Sometimes this is the point that I want you to hear. Sometimes you just got to drop the anchor and wait for the light. You don't know what to do sometimes. It's darkness around you. Drop the anchor right where you're at and say, I'm just, I'm going to wait for the light. I'm going to wait to know what to do. I made the decisions without clear direction. I'm going to wait this time. The 30th verse gives us the 19th point that I'm dropping in your heart today. And this, very quickly, as they dropped for anchor. matter of fact, I'm going to read that verse right here. The shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea. Under the colors, though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. I put this down. I heard the voice of the Lord in my heart say, pretense and panic will lead to destruction. If you're playing with God, playing with the things of God, it's going to lead to destruction in that right, Right? Or if you panic, it can lead to destruction. Drop the anchor, wait on God, and trust the Lord. And then we go a little bit farther. The 31st verse, second chance. Get, uh, to heed God 's wisdom, now Paul speaks a word. Paul speaks a word to the to the to the master shipman, and he said, these if they don't abide in the ship, he said' they're, they're not going to be saved. so you get a second chance. you failed previously to hear God's wisdom, but now you're given a word from God. you get a second opportunity to hear the wisdom of God, which leads me to the se- thirty second verse, which is the twentieth point of this thirty point sermon come on somebody, you have to make hard decisions to escape safe to land. And they had to go over and cut the rope and let the, the little boat fall into the sea because the little boat wouldn't rescue everybody and they would have been a dependency to lead on it they needed the sailors to get them the rest of the way. The 33rd verse is a word that dropped in my heart and it said, let's read that there together. And while the day was coming on, the Bible says that Weeping endures the night, but joy will come in the morning. And I want you to know today, if you've been in a storm in your life, maybe, you know, what are storms? What are storms? I'm, I'm, I'm shifting. We're getting close. These go very fast towards the end, almost one right behind the other, just a little nugget. God just dropped nuggets in my heart, and I just said, God, that's not the style I preach. It's not the way that I preach. It doesn't matter. I want the word he wants me to share with you. Are you hearing me today? This expository message for over 44 verses that's way out of order. If you go to any theological training, they will definitely tell you don't bring 44 verses to a Sunday morning sermon with 30 sub points. (laughs) Unless you're trying to get voted out of being the pastor. (laughs) So I'm going against the grain because I just felt God drop something in my heart and I knew it was his voice because the points were so they, they they were they were they were so uh, alive in my heart that somebody here and maybe my message is just for one, but God's word, God's are you hearing me today? Might be just for one. So weeping can endure the night, but joy will come if you'll trust God. And in the thirty-fourth verse, Paul then began to encourage them to take some meat because this is for your health. And he said there shall not be, a, because they had fasted or they were in despair, and sometimes when you're depression, you don't eat. And I put this down here, number 22, is you got to take care of your health to survive the storm. You know, I've been over at folks' house, and I, I know there's some issues related to depression that I probably do a poor job and can't adequately uh, uh, describe, and I can't adequately perhaps even give any type of spiritual diagnosis to it. Is it medical? Is it clinical? Is it uh, physical? Is it spiritual? It could be a little bit of both. But let me tell you, setting with your curtains down in darkness and not eating is not good for you, right? Raise the curtains up. Go out and take a walk, right? And let the light of God's sun shine on your countenance. Come on, somebody. And go ahead and eat and take care of your body, glory to God, and say, take care of your health. If you're going to survive the storm, you've got to take care of your health take a walk breathe fresh air ask the Lord to help you take a prayer walk and, and and then come back and eat something and you can make it because you're right on the edge but you got to press through by faith and I love this in the midst of them all in the 20 uh, the 35th verse of uh, the 23rd point you got to give God the thank give God thanks in the midst of the storm not when it's so many people wait till they're delivered to give God praise I want you to know faith give God praise in the midst of the storm and your testimony of faith number uh, as we go a little farther can can lead, can make a difference because others will see and others will cheer you on my last page of notes i'm getting soon to bring this to close here today and in the 37th verse let's go there lord if we can the 24th point we count persons but god counts souls i want you to look at it go back to that verse real quickly Luke now reveals that in that ship, Paul's not alone. There are 276 people with him on the ship. But notice this, how God counts them. God counts them as souls. We count people. We've got 132, 156. There's six people in our family. There's eight people at work with me. God sees it entirely different. God sees your family in the storm. But he's counting souls. God wants all to be saved. Come on, somebody. God wants all to be saved. 38th verse, when they'd eaten enough, they lighten the ship. The 39th verse, they, a discovery's made as light comes on. I put the point as this, 25th point, discovery in an unfamiliar place. There are times you make a discovery in an unfamiliar place. Your moment has now come. You've got to be ready to act. And the 26 coming from the 40th verse real quickly. Notice this. Catch it real quickly. Is you've got to commit to the sea. Look at this. Let's read that 40th verse real quickly. I want you to see that. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, and they made towards shore. So I wrote it this way. You commit yourself to the sea only when you've learned to trust the one who controls the waves in the sea. You're not trusting in your ability. You're trusting in God. The 41st verse, we're going to read that. Falling into a place where two seas meet, the ship ran aground and the forefront stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken up in the violence of the waves. 27th point, you're stuck right where God chooses. Amen. Come on now. You're stuck right there. God's brought you to that place right there and you're stuck. He knows right, he knew where you were at in the storm. He knows where you're at when you're stuck in the sandbar just outside of deliverance man i feel jesus more than y'all do today because i know that life is coming from the word of god i know that we have to be able to have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying to the church i know that we need principles of truth inside our heart because every one of us going to face a storm at some point in time i'm telling you the south wind might be blowing in your life right now but just that quickly a tempestuous wind can arise just that quickly And you say, Pastor Brown, are you speaking negatively or are you speaking unbelief over my family? No, I'm just speaking reality over you. We live in a fallen world. We live in a dangerous world. Perilous times come. Jesus said, In this world you shall have tribulation. And again, we can point fingers if we choose to. We can point at Julius. He made the decision. But we can also say, But others were affected by his decision. Are you out there today? So in that 27th point, in the 41st verse, the ship begins to break up. I've got three more points, and then I'm finally done. And I've done it in about 35 minutes, which is faster than what y'all thought I could do. And then let's read that 42nd verse. We'll read these last three verses here uh, individually. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners. Because in that moment, I'm telling you, it's deliver or die. Be delivered or die. And in that moment, real quickly, I put it this way. In crisis, some revert to retribution and violence. But number, point number 28, now's not the time. Now's not the time to blame people. Paul could have stood up and started blaming Julius and the centurion, and then they could have started killing people. But I'll tell you what, now wasn't the time. How about everybody get saved? The 43rd verse, real quickly, let's read it real quickly. The centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they would swim, could cast themselves into the sea and get to land. Real quickly, get this down in your heart, and that is God will save others to save you. God will protect others to protect you. Come on now. Come on, church family. I want you to catch that. In the middle of the storm, God will protect others to protect you that he's got his hand upon. And the last verse, let's read it there together. And then I'm going to fold it all together in closing. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Did you know that in the original language of Greek, that that, those two words, escaped safe, two separate words, are actually translated in another passage where Jesus healed someone and it's made whole. I believe that not only can you survive the storm, but God can make you whole in the midst of the storm. Now church family today, as Daryl joins me on the platform, if he would, real quickly. I felt that my heart as if God, you know, and I could have questioned because this is outside the style of preaching that I like to do, but it's this expository message from this particular text that I've just given you light commentary, nuggets of truth to put in your heart to just remind you that life can change and life can change quickly. And sometimes you have the right intention. You choose to do something. But if you, God is gracious and God can give you a little warning along the way to say, maybe we ought to back up some. Maybe we ought to reroute just a little bit. So be very, very careful. Be very careful. God will give you godly wisdom and godly counsel. Godly counsel is that word that comes to your heart that's peaceable. It's easy to be received. But what we do is we allow our carnal mind to reject it. And we often weigh it in contrast with the counsel of others that we think are experts. But let me tell you who's an expert. God's an expert. And the wisdom of God could have prevented the storm that they endured, that they were, and the loss of the ship. But they rejected it. But how many know God is merciful? God is kind and gracious, and God kept them. And God can even, listen to this, God can even take the storm. And when we lose our ability to manipulate it, God can still manipulate it. Did you know that's all a sail does? The sail manipulates the wind and moves the ship. And when the ability of the sail was lost to manipulate the wind anymore, God could still manipulate the wind. And I want you to think about that for just a moment because that Mediterranean Sea, that spans was about 500 miles 500 miles east to west across there, but they could have went anywhere, but God knew right where. God knew right where He was going to take them. God was going to take them to an island called Melita where there were going to be barbarous peoples, what the King James says. Native people there who had never heard the gospel, never heard the truth of God. Many of you that have read the book of Acts, you know what happens in the 28th chapter. The 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 native people begin to show kindness to them because they rescued them out of the sea and they begin to gather fire. And as they're gathering a fire, the apostle who had warned them not to leave Crete, he's a servant at heart, and he goes out and picks up sticks to put on the fire. And when he's putting the wood on the fire, a viper, as if he couldn't, the enemy, it seems like maybe was wanting to kill him. He didn't die in the sea, and now he's going to try to get him on shore. And when that viper launches into the apostle Paul's hand, Paul shakes it off and feels no harm. And all the natives are privy to this. They had never heard the gospel, never heard the message of Jesus Christ. And yet now this man shakes a viper and they think he must be a criminal. And the, the, the storm didn't get him, but the serpent did. But after about an hour, when he didn't die, they said now he must be a god. And Paul begins to preach. And Paul begins to minister, and he lays hands on the sick, and the sick begin to recover. And for weeks, people come from all over the island to be healed by the power of God. Now, why am I saying all that? Is because if you would have asked them 14 days earlier when they caught in the storm, could God turn this for their good and his glory? They had lost all hope that he could. But I came along to tell you, God knows where you're at. He'll bring you right to a certain place, right where he wants you to be. And you might find yourself stuck in a certain place, but stay there until God says it's time to move. You can endure the storm with the help of God. Come on, somebody. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed in the presence of God for just a moment of time. The pastor may have preached a little longer. I don't know. It's 1158. It's probably normal to me. A storm. A storm a season a tempestuous wind a season of life of uncertainty we saw through the text it can be it can be something that leads you to despair and you can even arrive at a place where you feel like you don't have any hope that's a that, that that's a that's a tragic place to be but i want you to know today there's hope in god Did God give me this message for one person today? I hope so today. I hope he did. If you're here today, and you'd be honest, nobody's looking around. It's just me and you. If you're here and you say, Pastor, no, 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 Pastor. That that message was for me because I've been in difficult situation. It's been' been a storm, a trying time in my life and there have been times I've wondered, does God even know where I am? Pastor, that's me, slip your hand up today. I just want to see today. I appreciate I appreciate some hands going up today. That makes me feel far better. I wasn't just I was preaching to people, thank you so much, people are raising their hand today saying, I've been there. I've been there or I'm there now. Man, it's tough at times. Does God care? Will I be saved? What about my family? Will I endure? Will I get a new job? How will I live without my loved one? What about my, my spouse that walked away from me? What about the child that I'm dealing with right now and it seems like that tempestuous wind is in our home at times? Will we ever get through this? Will we ever... Get to a safe place again. The end of that chapter. They all. They escaped all. Safe to land. That's a word for you today. God found Paul. God found his companions. God found the seamen. God found the soldiers. God found. Julius. The Roman centurion. God found them all. All turned about. And God brought them right where he wanted them to be, all safe to land. And God will do that for you if you put your faith in him today. Come on, somebody. I want to ask you today, church family. I want to ask you. Spirit of God, I feel Jesus right here. Noon hour, wrapping totally up, no sermon left at all. But the Spirit of God, we have to let the Spirit of God. I want to ask you all to stand real quickly. There was a pivotal moment in that story. It's about halfway in. It's that verse of Scripture that said, All hope that we should be saved, was lost. That seems to be written from a first-person account, but the author himself is confessing that all hope. It seems as if Luke is saying, it wasn't just the sailors and the soldiers who didn't know if we would make it, but even the companions of Paul, we too, we didn't know if we were going to make it through this. Y'all hear me today. Until God sent an angel, a word, until a word was given. I just believe God will give you a word. The pivotal point was this. when Paul said, the angel of the Lord appeared to me and he promised that he's going to give every man on the ship into my hand. And we're going to be cast onto a certain island. But we're going to lose the ship. But he said this. He said, sirs, I believe God. Are you going to believe God today? To make it through the storm, you got to believe God. Complaining about your situation is not going to change your situation. I'm going to say this respectfully. Just because you call our prayer team and have it put on the prayer team does not necessarily mean it's going to change the situation. They might be praying in faith while you're confessing. And complaining, somebody's got to believe God. That's my question for you today. Will you believe God? Will you believe God today? I want to ask. I want to ask our church family today. And I know this is, this is what this is the the tipping point on any sermon. I can give you the word, and I can leave that between you to just think on and ponder it. But there's something in me every week that I want to draw faith out of you. I want to to give you an opportunity to display faith. I want to give you an opportunity. to, and, And that's why we ask people to come forward. We ask you to come forward because we just believe that with every step that you make when you go to the front, you're somehow saying, I believe God. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm in a storm. I'm in a difficult season. But by moving forward, I'm saying, God, I'm not trusted in the ship any longer. I'm trusting in you. So a lot of folks raised their hand. I'm just going to ask them to just come to the front if you can by faith, just by faith. We're going to pray a group prayer right here with you as a church family. And we're just going to pray that you are trusting God today. you got to step out. I want to ask you right now by faith, if you had the courage to raise your hand a moment ago, then have the courage to come forward. We don't do this to isolate anybody or to embarrass anybody or anything like that. We do this to just simply give you an opportunity to say, God, I'm I'm trusting you to bring me out of this. Come on, somebody. Amen? We're trusting the Lord. Amen? We're trusting the Lord. We're trusting God. We're putting all of our faith in him, all of our faith. And church family, I want to ask you, if you can, for a moment. I'll dismiss whoever needs to be dismissed in a moment. But I want to pray today for those that have come forward. Now I want to join my faith with them. And I want to ask many of you or some of you to come up and let's undergird them. Who will do that with me today? Who will just come forward? I don't want to see anybody alone. I would love to see many of you come around behind them. And we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray a closing prayer. And if Daryl's got a little bit of time, he'll stay on the keyboard for us. If you have to be dismissed, you'll be dismissed in love. Father in heaven, I'm grateful today for the opportunity that I've had to pray and to minister and to preach the word of God. And I'm going to bless our church family as they leave, as they have blessed me by their attendance here today. And I've dropped the word in their heart today. But, God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, for them as they go their way. But, God, those that stay, they're going to stay in an environment of faith. In an environment of faith, God, that's what we're believing God for. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon us, the Spirit of God. Ministers that are present, I want to encourage you, minister as the anointing of God's upon you in Jesus' name. Spirit of the Lord, God, we trust in you. We need your help today. God, my my whole objective here by asking people to come forward is to give them an opportunity to say, I believe God. I may be in the storm, but I'm trusting God. I'm yielding all that I am to him. I'm not going to trust in the counsel of Julius, and I'm not going to trust in the counsel of the master of the shipment any longer. I'm going to trust in God and the prophetic word that you give to direct my path. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, today I come to the power of agreement, God.